I'm not going to challenge anybody. I thank you for coming to service today. I hope you have a blessed service. Now go the heck home. You guys feel good with that? I don't. So I just figured I'd lie in church and get away with it. But I, I, I wanted to look at something, and, and I don't know about you, but, you know, Advent is uh, celebrated in some denominations, some churches, and, and some churches it's not. And I don't normally do anything with Advent just because it's not my, wow, maybe it's rebellion for me to, to have to think I have to submit or commit to a certain di dialogue on a certain day and not trust God in the process. But I really... Uh, I wrestle with what to speak on today, and, and I think it's something that's probably going to hit home, hopefully gently. No, it won't. But, but I, but I want to I make sure that we, that we begin to really um, understand. How many of you guys feel like the world is more chaotic now than it's ever been? How many of you guys feel like your lives are more chaotic now than it's ever been? How many of you guys would say that you have a peace about you more often than not? Not many. And so when we look at Advent, one of the, one of the, 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 the four pillars of Advent is, is peace. And I think what happens is we, we don't address what is peace and how does peace play out. And, and so we're going to just take a look at peace this morning from a 30,000 foot view. I'm not going to go real deep. Uh, when I leave here, I am going to go see Teresa and pray for her family. And, and so I wanted to put something together that wouldn't take me an hour to preach, but also kind of give us a general understanding. If you have your Bibles, go to, to John 14. John 14. Starting in, in verse 25 through 28. John 14. 25 to 28. Anybody there? That's good. So I want to talk about the, 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 the thing of peace. And, and what happens is, how many of your lives are just chaotic and out of control right now? Anybody's lives chaotic and out of control? Christmas is coming. It's supposed to be a time where we stop and reflect. But we are so busy. We have so much going on that, the, that we really don't have this internal peace that, that really just says, wait a minute, I need to stop and to be thankful for what this season's really about. If you're in ministry, it's one of the busiest times of year. And so my wife will tell you that every day this week I have something scheduled. Um, 
one, one thing just kind of went off the schedule today, thank God. Um, but what happens is, is that in the midst of the season that we're in, we get so busy. Now, if you, now maybe, maybe you're, how many of you guys have to have the perfect house? All the decorations have to be up and perfected and all that. Anybody? Does that ever stress you out? That part doesn't? How many of you guys always have to go? Does it stress you out, Lenny? How much, Lenny? Lenny, how much? You have to do family calendar for everybody. Gotcha, right? So, so, so what else stresses you out? How many of you guys feel like you, you never buy enough or you never have enough perfect gifts? Anybody? Anybody ever get stressed about the money you have to spend? <laughs> well, so Wayne can say that because his wife is not here to backhand him. But, 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 but what I'm trying to get at is that in this season, not that we shouldn't always be in this place of understanding of who God is, but is in this season, somehow we have completely turned into this chaotic rat race where we really don't stop to reflect. That, 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 that somehow the kids are coming and we have to have the perfect meal and I, I ordered a 12-pound roast and they sent me an 8-pound roast and how am I going to, and all of a sudden like, this anxiety just begins to build. Or how many of you guys have the perfect family where everyone gets along? <laughs> Man, if you can see the looks going around. How many of you guys have the imperfect family that it just, it makes you want to puke to have to go be with your family? Joe, you can't say that. I'm just going to be real. Well, I'm always going to be real. Whether you understand it or not, I'm not going to pull any punches. You know, if I had to spend, I'm just going to be honest, if I had to spend Christmas with my immediate family being my, my, my siblings and my mother and, and, and Cindy's family and her sibling, and I, 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 would, I, I, I couldn't do it. And yet there's this expectation. And so all of a sudden, man, the, the season that we're supposed to have the most peace, we have the least amount of peace. Or maybe you're a social butterfly and you need to be involved in every event around. Anybody do that? Have a schedule for every event that you have to do around Christmas? How does that work for you? That's what stresses you out. You can't fit it all in. So in the midst of trying to fit it all in, we kick the most important thing out. And I want us to look at this scripture and, and, and just take a look at it. And I'm, I'm really not going to butcher it, but, but I want to look at the, the, the scripture. Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm getting ready to go away, right? Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to be here any longer. I, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and, and everything's going to be okay. How many of you know the disciples didn't think everything was going to be okay? Right? I mean, the doubting Thomas, again, if you read down in John 14 earlier, you know, he goes, hey, Jesus, how are we going to know the way? You know, Jesus, how are we going to? And so what happens is there's, there's this anxiety when we, when we miss being in the presence of God, there's this anxiety that automatically begins to well up. Jesus says, my peace I leave to you as I go to the Father. I promise you the Holy Spirit, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. 
What is the definition of peace? Calm in the midst of chaos. Okay, would you like to elaborate on that? Because that, that'll preach. No? What's that? The comfort of understanding. Ready? So you said it's calm in the midst of the chaos. Where does the calmness come from? Yeah, where does the calmness come from? From the Lord. The, from trusting the Lord. The calmness only comes out of relationship where you understand that his plans are bigger and greater than ours. So what happens is in the midst of all that happens, all of a sudden we, we lose our sense of peace. And, and what, I'm, what I'm here to say is that all the events that go up around Christmas, all of a sudden instead of driving us to the nativity scene, driving us to Christ begins to drive us into the things of this world. Does that make sense? How many of you, if you just said, hey, you know what, family, I love you, but on Christmas Eve, I just want to sit around my house and light some candles and have communion with my family, your, your, your family would be okay with that. Most of them would be like, no, 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 we've done this for 109 years in the neck district. We're or, or third generation, right? Or we have this progressive dinner and you'll be the only one who won't be there. Or don't you know that we always decorate the blah, 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 blah. We always roast marshmallows. We always do. And what happens is that, that we don't understand that, that this peace that Jesus is talking about is prosperity of our soul. What's that? Go ahead. Not of peace as we think peace is, but there's this prosperity of our soul that we know that out of a relationship with him, no matter what, we're going to be what? We're not just going to be okay. We're going to, the word prosper means to do what? Thrive exceedingly abundantly so that even in the midst of the chaos of this world, if we're in relationship with him and we know he's our source of peace, we can begin to prosper even in the midst of what? If you look at the Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon, they were blessed as much in Babylon as they were in their own homeland because God said, even in the midst of captivity, my heart is to let your soul prosper. And as your soul begins to prosper, everything about you begin to prosper. And people begin to understand the prosperity that, that man, something must be going on because there's no way you should be common in the midst of this circumstance. make sense? Is this too deep, too hard? That there's this sense of rest. There's this quietness. How many of you guys like quiet? How many of you guys, if you like quiet, raise your hand. I like quiet, but not in the way that people, other people like quiet. People from time to time say, Joe, why do you spend so much time in the woods? Why do you spend so much time hunting? Why do you do this and why do you do that? And because for me, to, to get out away from the things of this world, to get away from the trials and tribulations and the demands of, of ministry and the demands of life, the one, the one place I always find a place of solace, the one place I, 
find a, peace, a place of peace is just really being with God in nature. I'm not saying God is nature, I said God in nature. That, that somehow that when I get this, I can see the vast creation of what God is, and I realize, man, the picture is so much bigger. That the picture of who God is is so much bigger than, than what my small mind can, can apprehend. And, and so even yesterday, uh, uh, Doc and I heard a little bit when he tolerates me, when I'm not challenging him too much. But even in the midst of putting things together, there's something about watching what God is doing. And as we, as it sounds crazy, we, we plant and we fertilize and we water and we cultivate. And the whole time we just see God doing this miraculous thing. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that we allow the chaos and God's, and, and God's saying, no, 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 no. The peace of Jesus that's instilled in me only happens when you settle down and you begin to rest with me. My wife would tell you I'm not a rester. I went to bed last night at 10.30. At 3.30, I couldn't sleep real well. At 3.30, my mind began to race and began to talk about all things. So I got up this morning at 3.30 in the morning because I couldn't find that place of peace. I couldn't find that place of rest. Because I'll be honest, my heart was going out to Teresa and her family, and my mind was beginning to wonder, is she okay? Is she going to make it? Is she with the Lord? Is she not? How's Lewis? How's Ashley? How's Goldie? God, what do you want me to do? And so even in the midst of doing things that seem like they're godly, can begin to take away from our ability just to stop and to communicate and embrace the love of God. That somehow that the chaos of this world, can I be honest with you, he makes a statement in here that, that I've never put together. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What is his peace? What is his peace? You know, you, you read my notes this morning, didn't you? <laughs> wow. We'll get there in a second. So what Jesus was saying is, listen to me, I have this peace because I understand who my father is. I understand this intimacy. Ready? Jesus knew he was going where? To the cross. He knew that he was going to be crucified. And yet he said, I have this peace with my heavenly father because I have this intimate relationship, this intimate connection with him. And I know his plan. I know his purpose. And when I understand his plan is just not temporal. His plan is eternal. I, I, I would say that we have a sense or maybe we lost a sense that all of a sudden we go through hell on earth and we, we, we don't understand that this is only temporary. That this is just a temporary issue. Your lack of finances, your lack of relationship, your lack of intimacy, your lack of, is it's just temporal. 
it's just temporal things, and we get so hung up in the temporal that it robs a piece of understanding that, man, we have this intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father because now Jesus went on the cross, He went into heaven, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that we can literally have this sense of peace, but it takes us to stop and to turn off. Anybody have a problem turning things off? Don't look at me, wife. Is she looking at me? Is she staring at me? I can feel the burn. One thing I can't ever turn off is my mind. I can't turn off my mind because I can't turn off my phone. I'm not complaining. I love what I do. But there is very seldom a day that I don't have a number of phone calls. There's, there's always more things to do on my checklist. Are you with me? There's always things I need to do. There's this, this trauma, this trouble, this, this person, forgive me, who died of addiction, or this person who, who's dying of cancer, or, or this circumstance here. This, and so what happens is literally my mind just begins to race. And my wife will tell you the most godly thing I'll do I don't do it as much as I used to, and don't take this the wrong way. I go and I crawl in my bed and I turn on worship music and I read or I pray until I fall asleep. And then I get up, I reset my worship music, and I begin to worship again until I what? Fall asleep. See, it's not the absence of chaos, it's the presence of God in the midst of it. And so when I can get to that place where I can shut everything down, all of a sudden God's love and compassion just begins to flow through me and all me. And it begins to change everything about me. And that's what Jesus is saying is, listen to me, I'm intimate with, this, with my Father. I know his heart. I know his plans. I know he's good. I know he loves me. But it's eternal. And we have to understand the relationship with the Father. I can't express this enough. People who don't come to church think God is angry and mad and just wants to punish them for their mistakes. Hence, there is no peace. We search for peace, we look for peace, and we find no peace. If I talked about the peace of this world and from a worldly perspective, what is peace? What's peace, Will? Right now, you know, come on, it's fine. Hey, it's fine, man. So the world sells peace as the Norman Rockwell painting. You ever see it? The picket fence, the wife, the two kids, the perfect house, two-car garage, enough money. What's that? A dog. And if you live in Dorchester County, a dog and a shotgun. It's not a shotgun. It's a shotgun. Right? 
So the world paints this picture of peace that, that if I had enough money or if I had the right car, if I had the right friends, if I had the right job, that, that I would have this peace. And what happens is it's just superficial because the only person who can bring you peace is We keep looking for an external peace, and you never have an external peace until you have an internal peace. And that's why I said, do not let your hearts be troubled. I know what I'm doing. I know the plans I have. I know my purpose. And if you could embrace me, that you can have this sense of peace that you have searched for high and low. But we have a tough time getting there because we have bought into the world's system. Are we making sense so far or no? Okay. Can we just address that for a moment? Good, Meg. much as God puts on your heart. And I think that's important to understand because what happens is in the midst of what we call Christianity, there's a lot of religion that takes away encounters. You had an encounter with a risen Christ who's alive and well. You didn't have an encounter with a religious figure that hangs on a cross at most churches. You didn't have a, a doctrine or a theology. You had an encounter. And that's why I'm always going to talk about encountering God because what happens is the Holy Spirit comes so we can encounter him on a regular basis. Jesus did not disappear. Look, I'm not, pu I'm not pushing encounters for, for flakeism or any of the crazy stuff that goes along with it. But can I be honest with you? There was someone who came out of addictions. I, I, I wasn't looking for peace. I was just trying to escape torment. You know, we talk about trauma, right? We, we, have a trauma, we have a traumatized nation. It used to be, forgive me, not that it wasn't trauma, but it wasn't the extent of trauma today, right? And so for me, when, when, when I got involved in, with the drugs and the alcohol and all those things and the, the women, I was looking for something, but more importantly than looking for something, I was trying to escape the reality of chaos. But no one had presented peace as a person in the name of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? 
And I think that's what the church has done a disservice at is that, that we present this religious figure that, that we celebrate at Christmas and Easter as a religious figure, not as a person who's a, who, who is fully human and fully divine, who wants to encounter us, that his presence in us and through us begins to transform us. I've never met anyone, forgive me, and, and I'm, I, I, I'm talking about my past, I never found anyone in the addictions community who got up one day and said, I want to be an addict. I never saw anyone who got up one day and said, hey, I want to be a pedophile or, or, or have these sexual issues. I, I never met anybody who, what they're saying is, hey, I, I, my life is so chaotic. I need to escape the trauma of what I'm going through. And, and, and I can't find peace anywhere, but at least through drugs and alcohol and sex and all the other addictions, I can escape reality. Does that make sense? It silences the noise to an extent for a period of time, but does not allow us to come into a personal, intimate relationship, which is the only thing that can transform us. Right? The Savior of the world came in the manger. And most of the people won't leave him in the manger. He didn't stay in the manger. He went to the cross. By his sacrifices, we are saved. By the burden of his body, we are healed. That what he did on the cross was so much greater than coming in the manger. Yes, Wayne. This, we're not starting January 8th yet, so we're going to stop there. Because <laughs> this all ties into the, the whole series of, of what is part of the thing that's plaguing Christians in the church. And it's all based out of trauma and control and not willing to surrender. And worshiping false gods that cannot give us what we need. I intended this to be light, but you all made it heavy. And then Doc's going to blame me. Joe challenged. No, not. You all did it to yourself. 
I want us to, to keep going just for a moment, and I don't have much more. I know it's 10.15, and my ladies are going to leave me, break my heart again. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter 3, verse 8. Second Peter three eight. Goldie, while they're turning, if you need help on Wednesday, Goldie, my Wednesday's now completely free. As you guys are looking for that, there's an organization in the city that takes care of a number of the kids on Greenwood and Teresa usually gets presents and Goldie went to see her yesterday and she said, Goldie, you got to get those presents. You got to find them up. And so um, if necessary, I may recruit someone to ride with me to Baltimore to load a truckload of presents and bring them back on Wednesday. Second Peter 3, verse, 2 Peter 3, verse 8. Someone read it. What does he say? Beloved. Ready? Beloved. Who's he, what does it mean when he says you're beloved? He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He's not waiting to punish you. He is confessing his love for you, that even while you were yet sinners, that he died for you because he sacrificed his life for you because he loved you, not because he wanted to punish you. Beloved, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And what we're saying is, the only way you're going to have peace is you need to have an eternal perspective. When I first started pastoring, and I've done it for 25 years, when someone knows I'm having a really, really bad day, and they say, hey, Joe, how are you doing? And my answer is what? It's all good. And they're like, you're lying to me. And I'm like, no, no, it's all good. And they're like, no, no, no. I know this is going on. I know this is going on. I know this is going on. Yes, it, all that is going on. But it's all good because I understand that my time here is temporal, but my time with him is eternal. And sometimes I just need to stop and get an eternal perspective. Sometimes I have to stop and to realize that all the things I fret over in this world are going to go away. If you live to be 90, you've lived a long life. You're getting closer to eternity, so all the things that you fretted over for 90 years are going to mean absolutely what? Nothing. Because you're going to be in eternity with him, and there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no disease, there is no sorrow, there is no pain, there is no suffering. Sometimes our identity is our dysfunction. And sometimes we just need to step away from our dysfunction and realize that eternity is our home as a child of God. That this is only temporal. My life is over. You know how many times I said my life was over? For the time my mom left when I was 10 years old. But I got saved in 1997 at 32. 33 years old. 32 and a half. 
How many times in 22 years did I say my life doesn't count? It doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I was train wrecked. Well, then I had this encounter, not with the baby in the manger, but the Savior of the world. And I began to realize that whatever I go through here, it's only temporal. Man, you don't understand. It's been a hard 60-something years. How long is eternity? 60 years won't even be a blink of an eye. Sometimes we just need to stop, ask for the peace of God to come in, knowing that the chaos is probably not going to leave, but that through the intimacy with him, the things begin to dissipate and begin to go away. I believe we just need to begin to think differently and measure time differently. It's crazy if you go back to the beginning of John 14, verse 1 to 6. Anybody want to read John 14, 1 to 6? We're almost done. Two more scriptures. John 14, 1 to 6. Jesus saying what? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why would he tell them that? Because their hearts were troubled. <laughs> right? Why did he tell Joshua? How many times did he tell Joshua, Joshua, do not be afraid? Why did he tell Joshua to be afraid? Because Joshua was afraid. How many times did he tell the disciples, do not fear? And what he's trying to do is get them to look with a different perspective, with a different set. Don't, listen to me, I know things don't look good right now, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Because I've gone to prepare a place for you. What's he saying? That what you're facing now is just temporal, but I have this eternal dwelling place for you to come and to be with the problem is, as Christians, we think we have to be perfect. How many of you battle perfection? Oh, 
greatest loss of peace is when we're not perfect, all of a sudden our lives are chaotic because what if someone really knew how I, how I am? And God says, I already know how you are and I still love you and I still want you to come in relationship with me because I've created this place in eternity called home. He said, I want to make sure I quote it correctly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is if you really want peace, if you really want the things that he promised, there's only one way to get there. And that's through surrendering your will, your control, your sin, your brokenness to him. Correct. I think the perception of the church is that if I love God, I'll be perfect. And if he loves me, he'll perfect me. And if something doesn't line up, I must have done something wrong. And I got to fix it. And now we begin to take control back. And as a recipe for disaster, because you can control absolutely you control the air that you breathe where does that air come from where does that breath come from every breath we take is from him every heartbeat we have is because he created us with a heart everything that we do is because he loves us and created us in such a way that he wants to be intimate with us I want to read one more scripture then we're going home prophecy from Isaiah 9 verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given ready and the government will be upon his shoulder his name will be called ready wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I want to read this one thing out of Jack Hayford's. I've got to take my glasses off to see these days. That's bad, isn't it? Does that mean I'm getting old? Thanks. Appreciate it. In Jack Hayford's Bible, it says that there's a kingdom dynamics. It says peace. It says Christ-likeness. The more we become more like Christ, the more peace we begin to 
obtain. The problem with the church is we don't want to become more like Christ because it means he's got to do a work in us. He's going to deal with the issues. He's going to deal with the trauma. He's going to deal with the abandonment. He's going to deal with the issues that keep us from getting there. Peace comes from God and is an evidence of the rule of Messiah, whose character as a prince of peace waits to instill the settleness of his own rule in our souls. He says, you'll have peace when he begins to rule in your heart. How many of you know a house divided cannot stand? He's saying, if you let me rule your heart, and the more you let me rule your heart, the more peace you will begin to, you'll be able to deal with the chaos, you'll begin to deal with the things that separate us. Just as the saving power of his death and resurrection makes it possible us to have peace with God, being reconciled to him, indwelling of his life and character through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is intended to help us to learn to abide in the peace of God. What he's saying is the more you abide in him, the more your relation becomes with him, the more or the less impact the things of this world will have in you and on you. Oh, 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 Dwayne got me in trouble. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Surrender to his will and submission to his word will bring inter, inner rest as we allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. Colossians 3.15. That is, to let God's peace act as umpire, making decisions that would trouble you, overruling doubts that would disturb you, overthrowing the adversary's lies that would defeat you or deter you. Perfect peace is available when the heart and the mind focus on God's promises, power, and trust him. The whole thing was saying is, as long as you're a control freak, as long as you're a control freak, any control freaks in here? Thank you, Gordon. I'm not looking through Doc. I'm just waiting for him to raise his hand. Anybody a control freak? Dude, you better start pointing at yourself. A bigger control freak. You can't do that comparison thing. That's not godly. That's not biblical. You're not a control freak? Okay, just wondering. Leave your wife out of this. She didn't do anything. Right? Anybody else on this side of the room? No, there's no control freaks over here. Any control freaks over here? The more you have to have control, the less he has control. The more you have control, the less peace you're going to have. The more chaos you're going to have to endure. The only, the greatest key to peace is surrender. Knowing that you are not in You need to verbalize it. Oh, thank you, Sandy. At least one of you is willing to confess it. I just want to encourage you. And I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to give my wife permission for the next 
21 days. Oh, you don't have to worry. She won't forget it. That when I lose my sense of peace, I'm giving her permission to confront me. To con Why would I do that? Because Christianity was always meant to be communal. It's always meant to be in relationship. When Cindy and I went to get married, I won't go into all the details, we had a pastor who did counseling and he was pretty, pretty on target. He said, the reason that God brings two people together is because iron sharpens iron. How many of you guys like to be sharpened? Who, who, who's going to be the one who's going to sharpen you the most? The one you sleep in bed with. Because they know you better than you know yourself. And they can see and... Now, for some of you, that may not work. But you have friends that you need to start this community of faith with because the biggest issue with the church is we still think it's all of this way. We think our relationship with Christ is only vertical, and it's not. If it's only vertical, you're a Pharisee and you're a fool. If it's not communal and you don't have family and friends to speak into your life, you have been separated from the body I promise you, danger awaits you. The other thing the pastor told us, he said, Joe, at times, because of your wife's very strong personality, she will run over you and flatten you like a pancake. <laughs> she will flatten you like a pancake and she won't even know she did it. At that point, Cindy, you need to go back and you need to pick him up off the pavement and let him know and dust him off and tell him he's going to be okay. I don't think it quite went that way. It didn't go that way, did it? I think maybe I inverted that. Joe, I, I, I don't know if this will work in my life. How about you just try one day? How about the moment you start to lose control, you just stop for one day? And then when you get through the day, you go till tomorrow. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't sing, I don't sing those songs, those hymns. One day at a, come on, anybody know that song? Wayne knows it. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Right, that didn't start in the recovery community. It started in the word of God. You're not promised tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its I believe that peace is a practice, a practice of intimacy, a practice of relationship, a practice of surrender, a practice of understanding that you are not God and never will be in any, spat, any aspect of your life. So I want to encourage you to literally 
when you feel that chaos coming and the control completing and you try to fix it, stop and ask for the presence of God to come. his heart that we would live at peace with him knowing that this life is temporal but life with him is eternal so father we just come before you this morning god we thank you for being able to come together and to worship and talk about your heart and your plans for our lives and for community god to lift Teresa before you Thank you for Will coming. God, for us to worship you because that's what we're called to do. God, let us not let this Christmas season distract in any way from your grace and your love and your compassion for us. Father, we come and we ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.